0: KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City. KRXO Claremore, Tulsa. A product of Tyler Media. Reaching over 1 million Oklahomans every week. Now, TotallyTickets.com presents the franchise Oklahoma City Thunder first take postgame show on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. What's up, my lovelies? Welcome to the show. It's the- First take, Thunder
1: post-game show. And guess what? Everybody's happy because the Thunder finally lost They're on a two-game winning streak. Of course, they were playing the Houston Rockets and the Minnesota Timberwolves on a back-to-back. But now they play the playoff caliber-esque. Uh, I, it's in some capacity. Memphis Grizzlies tonight. Oklahoma City Falls at Chesapeake Energy Arena, 116 Two one zero seven Brady Trantham here alongside Miss Christine Butterfield and fresh off the highway from the NCAA tournament where he watched Oklahoma beat Missouri. Yeah, <laughs> have fun in the SEC, Missouri, but then lose to Gonzaga. Mr. Ryan Chapman, welcome back. How are you guys? How how has Thunderland been while I've been gone? Because I'm going to be honest, I'm coming in
2: fresh, as in I was unable to watch Oklahoma City's last two games because I was buried in work in Indianapolis so this was a a new look for me when I left the Oklahoma City Thunder were overachieving they were making people mad winning games now that I've returned SGA is dancing on the sideline but he's got plantar fasciitis that allegedly is going to keep him out for a long time it really hurts guys you've got Lou Dort that's trying his best to throw a wrench in everyone's plans and and the rest of the team just saying no no we're no we're trying we're
3: trying to win By losing. Sam Presti got, like, super mad, so we have to lose.
2: He threatened to trade us all at the deadline to Detroit.
1: Yes, uh, I I guess before we get into the game, since you just already said it, Ryan, uh, Mark Dagnall said before the game that Shea Gillis Alexander will be out uh, for an extended period, I believe was his exact quote, um, saying that it's not a day-to-day thing. It's something that they... uh, Plantar fasciitis... um, It's something that they certainly want to take a look at, which... We don't know what they're thinking, 100%. This is just me speculating, but that just seems like, yeah, you know what, you guys are done. You know, No more winning, no no more of that fun stuff. SGA, you've proven your point. You've proven that you're pretty darn good, and you're going to be good in the next few years, but uh, enough of that, because Oklahoma City, like we said, loses to the Memphis Grizzlies behind, who boy, 25 points from Dylan Brooks, leading all scorers in the game, 20 points, from Grayson Allen. <laughs> and Jonas Valanciunas pitches in with 16 points and 15 boards. We'll talk about him in a second. Ja Morant with 11 points and 7 assists. For Oklahoma City, Lou Dort 14. Al Horford 13. Yes. So
2: I had a quick question. Where's Ja
1: Because he was gone for most of this game. Well, I think he just kind of...
3: He was straight chilling.
1: He was straight chilling. I think Memphis just had the idea of like, Oklahoma City's tanking. Let, let's take out our star too. There's no need to potentially hurt him. Because I don't know if y'all noticed, Memphis seemed to just like, let's try to get John Morant hurt with these weird lobs.
3: Yeah. No, I, it was weird because he scored his first points with two minutes left in the uh, second quarter. I thought that was so strange. I don't, I don't know what they were doing tonight, really, with John Morant as, <laughs> as far as that's concerned.
1: Moses Brown led the way for Oklahoma City, 19 points and 12 rebounds. And, and guys, let's actually start there because he was the Thunder player of the game on the uh, Fox Sports Southwest or Fox Sports Oklahoma broadcast. And guys, I don't want to talk that much about Moses Brown, mainly because I don't have that high of an expectation for him this season, nor do I have that much of a high expectation for him moving forward with this franchise because, look, he, he was he's a another center in a long line of... Stiff, tall, big centers that this franchise has kind of had over the last few years: Dakari Johnson, Justin Patton, uh, guys that cannot stretch the floor, guys that aren't very versatile, uh, but can rebound, that can score on putbacks with their energy. Moses Brown's doing that, you know, it, it basically since coming are coming to the Thunder. Uh, in the second half of the season, he's averaging thus far ten points and just under eleven rebounds, and tonight. 17 and 16 so I mean Christine I'll start with you my biggest thing with him is oh my gosh he's very slow moving side to side which doesn't bode well for a guy who can't stretch the floor but at the end of the day like I have those low standards for him but he still puts up numbers so it's like something's got to give here
3: I mean you said he's slow and I and I agree with that he's not I think with his length he's not able to really move his body as quickly as other people are but When I think of Moses Brown, I kind of compare him a lot to where Poku's at right now. Because I feel like, you know, in their position, in their heights, they're kind of always going in for one another. Because Al Horford's probably going to be on the floor with either one of them at any given point. So who's playing better with that lineup at that time? And I feel like Moses Brown is... That guy right now, he's putting back up shots. He's able to get these blocks. He's able to make shots. And Poku just seems kind of underwhelming. Yes, he had a great game um, when he first came back from the G League. And yes, he had that career high of 20 points. Woohoo. Cool. But... Moses Brown, I think he has such a bigger effect on this game. I think whenever he comes in, the lineup seems just way more energized. I think he has a bigger impact on all these players because I think his his skill set is more versatile than Poku's right now. Would you agree with that, or are you are you on a different wavelength than I am?
1: I I, I don't know. I mean, Poku he he dunked from the fa- from the free throw line, so everyone's going to be excited about that. Um, again, like with Moses Brown, I mean, I mean it in a weird complimentary way when I say I don't have that high of an expectation for him because it
3: doesn't sound complimentary. Well, because
1: game after game, he puts up numbers and yeah, numbers can be empty number. There's nuance to everything. You can't just look at a box score and say that guy's good or that guy's trash. Uh, but, it, but again, he's putting up numbers for a reason. My, my problem with him is, um, he, he Everything he does positively is just a direct result of the motor that Mark Dagnall says that the Thunder are very enamored with. The thing with him is just over time, he's going to have to develop something other than just being able to manufacture points off of being tall, long, and having a high motor.
3: Well, you can say basically the same thing for Poku right now, though.
1: Well, Poku Poku has athleticism to him.
3: Uh, I don't think that he has more athleticism than Moses Brown at this point. I don't think Moses
1: Brown's athletic at all. I yeah I don't think
2: I, Moses is just tall and can jump a little bit
3: i he he has some height he has some jumps. I' will give him that i I just think that the Thunder right now are so keyed in on making sure that they can get an investment back on Poku that they're putting more time and development into him than they are Moses Brown at this point.
2: I think Moses Brown only looks good because he completes a piece of the roster that's been missing. Because the Thunder don't have a traditional center. They've got guys that want to be stretch centers, and Al Horford and Mike Muscala. You've got Pokashevsky and Roby and Baisley, who should probably be playing as fours at this point in their career as they're trying to figure stuff out. And so I think that Brown looks better because everyone else around them gets reshuffled back into the position that they should be playing and probably will be playing at the back end of this rebuild when the Thunder like, have built the roster they want instead of just... Piecemealing something together like like Moses Brown is fine like if in the future if he was like the bench center like I think everyone would be like cool awesome
1: but- yeah uh, G- on the last on the last post game show Jerry Ramsey brought up the Ennis Cantor comp and I- I'll you know I'll say this like I get what he's saying with that like Ennis Cantor is very good at getting put back. Uh, layups, put back tip-ins, offensive boards because he is a high motor, high energy guy and but the thing about Ennis and it's it's weird to say this because we know how terrible of a, de- a defender he is. He's fairly athletic. Like he is really quick feet, really shifty, really knows how to manipulate uh, his lower body in order to get through those little crevices to, you know, get the ball up without getting fouled or without losing it. So, I'll give Ennis Caner some credit. I don't see that out of Moses Brown. I just see him being big, tall, and not quitting, which is great, you know, but if we're talking about, like, Moses Brown, like, you're right, Ryan, like, he's just a traditional center, but, I mean, I just... <laughs> Christine, I think you might have tweeted about this, and shout out Chisholm Holland, he he texted me about it, because he's like, this is the craziest lineup I've ever seen, so you had Moses Brown at the five, you had Al Horford at the four, basically playing wing, though, because it's Al Horford. right? Uh, Isaiah Roby, essentially playing three, three. which is just... Yeah. <laughs> and then I think the guards were inconsequential. It might have been Lou Dord and Teo. It was Dord and Teo. Teo, yeah. yeah. And Teo, just uh, not a good game. Not a, no. a, another bad game for Teo Maldon. We'll get into him a little bit later. But I think just the last thing on, on that, you brought up uh, Pokaszewski, Christine. I don't know this off the top of my head, but I wonder if this is the first game where Pokaszewski led all Thunder players in minutes played. Now, he barely eclipsed Teo Maladon by just a a few seconds. but
3: Yeah, Teo Maladon and him are pretty much equal mm -hmm. in minutes played tonight.
2: The the seconds count, guys. Apparently. Like like two seconds in NASCAR, like, shut it down.
1: Some people, you know, some people need those two seconds.
2: Well, those people are (laughs) slower than everybody else, and they lose because of it.
1: Well, speaking of Poku, and I already said it, he dunked from the foul line, so I guess he's not a bust anymore, right? Everyone's excited?
2: I, I saw uh, a, there's an official campaign for Poku to be the logo, and I think that we should all get behind that.
3: I'm definitely not in that camp. I'll be outside.
2: I know. I'm, I'm all the way in on Poku as the logo. I'm definitely not. Uh, doing a little Poku dance on the sideline?
3: Ew. Do not even talk about it?
2: Uh, the The we bigger question not. is, do you put him in an undershirt or not nah, on the logo? I think you put him in the
3: undershirt. You don't! No, you don't. Because he has been playing well without it since he came back, this has been my like my biggest campaign with Poku. Is before he went to the G League, he had on that ugly undershirt and he played like trash. Goes to the G League, comes back without it on, and he actually plays well. He left it in the bubble.
1: He just left it in the bubble. It's okay. You're right.
3: He forgot it. Do, do we he like doesn't need it back?
1: It's his first year. Kevin Durant played two guard. His rookie year, do we like Poku essentially playing wing this entire time? Like, are the Thunder doing this to try and accentuate that athletic development in him to the point where if he eventually moves to the four and then be a small ball five, if he, you know, grows into his body, (laughs) God willing, uh, that he can also utilize the athleticism that he has, right? Because him playing wing is bad defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does provide for some moments where he he can do stuff in the open floor.
3: Yeah, I think when you put him at the three, it really stretches the floor for the Thunder, which obviously is good. But like you said, Brady, in those defensive possessions where he's just looking kind of uncoordinated right now, he's still growing into his body, still not quite sure where to put his limbs. You're going to see um, some positions... Or some possessions not go the way the Thunder want them to defensively. Offensively, though, if you have him on that wing, that's giving him a lot of opportunities to try to get to the rim from outside. It's giving him opportunities to, you know get a quick shot at the elbow, or possibly make a three-point shot and get in the ball movement more than he would if he was playing more of a four or even a uh, small five. So I think it's in the Thunder's best interest if you're looking towards Poku's development to keep him on the outside, to get have him become more comfortable on the ball instead of kind of making him feel more safe with being in the paint.
2: Well, and I think the other thing, too, defensively, is he's such a young player. Cue all of the people that will willingly happily remind you that Pokashevsky is younger than most of the guys even in this year's draft class Rawr. but uh, I, I think that it's one of those things that this is the youngest lineup in NBA history Like, like that's this, supposed is the, to be-
3: this is the youngest lineup it's even younger than Oklahoma's lineup and,
1: and, and it's great like, if every single player in that lineup is going to be here for a long time but maybe we have, well, one or two of them
2: Oklahoma City has a long history of having guys in their lineup for 10 years. So anyway, the the biggest Mm -hmm. thing, I think with Poku, you just don't want to put him down low and like mentally lose him after year one. Because he's, like we saw earlier this year, he's going to get used and abused on the low block by nature of the fact that he uh, would not even qualify as a paperweight. So you need to move him out of that low block area in the hopes that you just don't lose him. He can learn some of those on-ball defense things. He can learn some of the rotations. All that jazz without just getting dominated physically down low. And then the open floor, like, you can't throw behind the back passes from the low post. So why would you put them down there? Like, the Thunder are trying to sell tickets that don't exist right now.
1: Five of eight for the Thunder rookie, Alexey Pokoshevsky, from the floor. One of three from the three point line, 13 points, five assists, three rebounds, and two very fun dunks, which could potentially segue us into our first and potentially only segment of our. Awesome, awesome post-game show. That is Thunder
0: Player of the Game. Now, the franchise Thunder Player of the Game. Brought to you by Volkswagen of Edmond. Ryan's been gone, so he gets to go first.
2: Man, do do we want to go? Do we want to go? No, I'm going to go Luthor.
1: Because I I understand that Mr. Moran... He took seven threes and made one of them, Ryan. Look, I know. That's your wheelhouse.
3: I know. And he shot 17 shots tonight, Ryan. Isn't it supposed to be under 10? It's 10, for the tank. Or ten, 10
2: or under, but, right. but there's no SGA, and he he shut down John ja Morant. So, look, he, he took out Memphis's best player. He did his job defensively, and he, and he did his job offensively, too, depending on what you're looking at. So, I'm, I'm going to go with Ludor. Interesting. You're trying to lose games, Christine.
3: Is is this Thunder player of the game based on the fact that they lost? Because isn't that supposed to be yes. tank commander of the game?
2: But we don't have the audio for tank commander of the game because reasons.
3: What?
1: I, th- I think Matt Burton has it like in copyright. You know, he's I yeah. think
3: Matt Burton just boxed it, 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 it up and took it with him. Well
2: what, what really happened is Chisholm changed his password and I don't have permission to play off of my account. So So everyone knows. Just throwing that out there.
1: <sighs>
3: well, how? Who's your player of the game? Uh hmm. I mean, I kind of just went off about how Moses Brown did so I I guess I'm gonna go with Moses Brown I mean he got a double double in the first half like that alone shows you that he was kind of stepping up where SGA was out tonight like he got 19 points for the Thunder which is kind of the exact same deficit you're seeing without SGA in the game so I think he stepped up in every way the Thunder could ask for he got some good dunks in there and he was really efficient he was seven to nine from the floor so he's gonna be my player of the game even though Brady probably doesn't agree
1: well, it's not that I don't agree. I just, uh, I'm, I'm correct. And that's why I'm going to go with Al Horford. <laughs> I
3: just
0: hated that <laughs> Just so because he has,
1: he has the most balanced, prettiest box Wife. score oh. in a loss. Oh, of course, that, that as well. Sorry. Uh, 13 points, uh, 13. 6 assists, 8 rebounds, 6 of 11 from the floor. Unfortunately, 1 of 5. Or fortunately, 1 of 5 from the 3-point line, depending on uh, what you value. Christine Butterfield... At CB on Sports on Twitter. Ryan Chapman at Radios Ryan. Brady Trantham here at Brady Does Sports. The Thunder lose 116-107 to 107 to the Memphis Grizzlies, which is great news if you are trying to find a top five lottery pick laying around somewhere. We'll get into that. We'll get into the NBA. We might even talk a little bit of other news in the sports world locally, like college football,
0: maybe. I don't know. Who knows? One oh seven seven, the franchise. Welcome back to the Oklahoma City Thunder first take their post game show, presented by totallytickets.com on one oh seven seven, the franchise and one oh seven nine, the franchise, Tulsa. Welcome back to the show.
1: Oklahoma City did the thing that we wanted them to do. They lost the game. Finally, yeah. Everyone, give them a. Everybody, give them a hand. Christine, what did I say? There you go. Good job, Oklahoma City. All proud of you. Going you did it. According Congrats. to Congrats.
2: You know, those jerseys look a lot better when they lose, like they're supposed to.
1: Those are great tank uniforms.
3: Those are th- That should be the tank commander of the game. It should their be. Uniforms. They should just
2: alternate between those jerseys and then the gray ones from two years ago.
1: Oh, yeah. Those were oh, those ugly. Oh,
2: yeah, two, two worst, uh, well, two of the three worst jerseys in franchise history followed up with the navy ones with the vertical
1: thunder. So, in like, Six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Because, I mean, if the Thunder get really good in the next two years, then Sam Presti very well could be here for another decade. Uh, but it's hard to see somebody staying in, a, you know, in the same job, in the same place, for two decades. So let's just say, in ten years, when Sam Presti isn't the GM of the Oklahoma City Thunder, how much do you want to bet right now that that logo, those jerseys get overhauled? Oh, 100%. Like the second someone else's GM that gets changed,
3: they're like,
2: "Get I, rid of all of this." I just, I hope so. I hope it's specifically a Presty thing and not like from top down. I
1: you would assume I mean? it's a Presty thing. I'm just speculating here.
2: Just because, like, there have been so many great concepts out there. All you have to do is just filter through Oklahoma City Thunder Twitter and see any of the the renderings of a logo that utilize like rumble or like a, a bison imagery. Like those look really cool. Um, there's so many cool things you can do with the lightning bolt. That's what I was gonna say. And instead you've got a clip art, lightning bolt, basketball, where they like colored in every color to not make the citizens of Oklahoma mad based off their college preference is what like I that's the vibe I get from the current Thunder logo.
1: No, they just they pick favorites. They went all in on Tulsa. Yeah, fair. Golden hurricane, rain came, baby.
2: Gotta get that B O K crowd rolling.
1: Maybe, uh, maybe,
2: maybe we were all wrong. Maybe they're Golden Eagles fans. They were Golden Eagles believers all along.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean that's what the uh, that's what Oklahoma is all about right now, right? Shout out O R U. Shout out O R U. But Oklahoma City does fall to the Memphis Grizzlies one sixteen to one o seven. No Shea Sal Xander tonight, and ladies and gentlemen, for all we know, that might have been the last that we've seen of SGA this season. Uh, Uh, If you just go by what Mark Dagnall said and read between the lines and maybe uh, see where the Thunder are trying to get to, especially as we get closer and closer to the end of the season. Uh, But he has plantar fasciitis. Mark Dagnall said that is not a day to day injury, uh, but it's something that's going to keep him out for an extended period. Uh, So, again, just read between the lines on that one. But. Pogoshevsky, Isaiah Roby, Al Horford, Lou Dort, and Teo Maladon. where you're starting five tonight. Uh, Pogoshevsky with 13 points, Al Horford 13 points, Lou Dort 14, Teo Maladon 10, Moses Brown, the leading scorer for Oklahoma City tonight, 19 points and 12 rebounds. Kendrick Williams, Ty Jerome, each with 11, and then of course, Christine's favorite player, Svima Luke, new Thunder player, who was recently traded for Hamadou Diallo, but apparently... Just took Hamadou Diallo's dunking ability because he dunked all over the floor. Three of his, he was three of ten. Two of his three makes were dunks. Seven points for the former Kansas Jayhawk. Now, Christy, I'm going to give you 22 seconds to tell us your soliloquy on the Kansas Jayhawks.
3: Oh, why I'm sad? Why I'm depressed? Because oh, yeah. they played so terribly?
1: Yeah, like I, you're crying in there. It's oh, okay. yeah, no,
3: it's a f- whole new form of depression. Uh, the doctors don't even know how to classify it yet. It's tragic.
1: So should Bill Self be fired?
3: Uh, no. I want to go that far. I don't think he should be fired. I, I think this was a season that not a lot of people could prepare for because of COVID. And uh, uh, there's your 22 seconds of Kansas. So there you go. Go USC.
2: Go go Mobley. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh,
1: oh, it was wonderful. It was truly, truly but, beautiful.
2: But we should all be fighting on together in Thunderland for Mobley, yes.
1: I would, I would say so. I mean, we talked about that in the last post game show. Um, if the Thunder, it's looking more and more likely that they will not get the number one overall pick. I mean, it sh- should be fairly. Don't even play that because now I'm going to have Orange Bowl flashbacks. We're stop t- it! We're talking about Evan Mobley. Carry on.
3: Get out of here! Stop it, Lyndale White! Get this out of my ears! Stop it! This Bob- isn't fair, Bob Stoop, Stop it! Stop the
1: scoring. So, (laughs) Thunder Draft Talk. Adrian. the
2: The number one overall pick. You deserve better. Pretty much out of the question unless some fun lottery shenanigans happen. Stop dropping the ball, Brandon Jones. It's time for everyone in Oklahoma City to get on this Evan Mobley hype train. The dude can do it all. He's a great defender, lengthy big, built for the modern game. It's the it's the piece that has eluded the Thunder for a long time. You've had the best player on the planet arguably play in Oklahoma City when Kevin Durant was here. You've had the explosive guard. You've had some shooters come in, not be able to find their way. You've never been able to have that modern center that can just really take that team to the next level, can compete with the centers in the Western Conference. It's Mobley time, guys.
1: Sounds like the main character from uh, The Jungle Book. Indeed. Mowgli.
3: Mowgli. This fight
2: song
1: is just
3: incredible, guys. Get it out. It's like you're you're trying to torture me right now. Please stop.
1: It's my nom.
3: I'm not here for it. Not tonight. Stop it.
1: By the way, that USC team. I'm going to go
3: to victory.
1: By the way, that USC team. Here's one of the... There are a lot of annoying things about Vince Young and... Texas 2005 national title because, oh my god, it's the best game in college football history. Oh, all this stuff. Look, Texas played in a that year, the Big 12 was so bad. It wouldn't have mattered, but it was a bad conference that year. And also, the USC team they played was a shell of the team OU played. The entire defense from that SC team graduated or went to the NFL, and they were beating teams like 55 to 30 in the Pac 12. So. There's your thing.
2: To everyone out there, I'm sorry that I put these two through the torture rack.
1: Yeah, that was, that was terrible. But I was trying to...
3: Funny r- how you didn't apologize to us, though. I, you apologized to everybody else. Yeah, I'm not sorry to you guys. We were talking Mobley. It's Mobley Talk.
2: Ugh. Coming to you live from uh, this is Post not, Games
3: in the Future. This is not what I thought I was getting into when they were like, Christine, do you want to cover the Thunder? This is not the conversations I thought I was going to be having on this post-game show.
2: This is a USC post-game show. Let's be honest.
3: Mm. If Yash... If friend of the...
2: (laughs) Yes, my friend. We don't... Inside baseball. Anyway, back to Thunderstuff.
1: Back to Thunderstuff. Just looking at tankathon.com, which is something a lot of Thunder fans have just become very, very intimate with in recent months. Yeah, again, it's looking like Oklahoma City unless they get lucky like the New Orleans Pelicans when they uh, were able to draft Zion Williamson with the number 1 overall pick. I mean, if you just went off raw win-loss records and drafted like in the NFL... I think they were picking 8th or 7th that year, and they won the lottery. So it's not out of the realm of possibility Oklahoma City can get into the top five, but it's just looking less and less likely each day. Of course, losing tonight helps that cause. But always remember, with that Houston pick swap, Houston can lose all their games the rest of the year, have the worst record. It's still amazing to me that they went on a 20-game losing streak and Minnesota still has a worse record than them. I just want to get that on record. Look at Poku rocking them glasses in the post-game show. Look at him! Take him to school! He's the boy who lived.
2: <laughs> draw
3: a little, draw a little scar on his forehead. Someone, Someone do it. Someone a, do it. A thunder logo. He looks. Per chance? He that would looks be like the f- him from the first movie. You know, when he was super skinny and was really young and didn't know the terrible, traumatic things he was going to be going through in a couple years.
1: Poku, does that scar Is hurt? When, does, it, does that scar hurt when you're on a weak side rotation?
3: Is this a foreshadowing event? He
1: who must not be named. Anywho, anywho, Houston can lose the rest of their games, have the worst record in the league, and I think they still have about a 46% chance to pick fifth, even with that record, which is important because that pick Swap Oklahoma City has with the Houston Rockets is protected one through four, So, they have a 46% chance of swapping that pick with Oklahoma City. So, it's not out of the woods yet that Oklahoma City can get into the top five in essentially a very deep draft, but essentially a five-player draft. So, I mean, Christine, you know, watching the tournament, watching all these players, Jalen Suggs against Oklahoma, Mobley against your Kansas Jayhawks, and, and what we've seen out of Cade Cunningham, if Oklahoma City gets the dream scenario of just, let's say they get the second pick and Cade Cunningham's gone... I mean, where do you go at that point? There's also Jalen Hill in the G League,
3: right? <laughs> uh, I I think you'd go with Suggs there. I know that Ryan kind of already made the argument for Mowgli, which is fine.
2: Uh, I'm here to report that Jalen Suggs is going to be a massive bust in the National Basketball. Season. Why? Because
1: he flopped against Oklahoma. Uh,
2: anyone that gets run off the court by Austin Reeves, sorry, big yikes. Yeah, True. I remember,
1: mean, remember Josh Eustace shut Andrew Wiggins down and Andrew Wiggins is still scoring 60 in the peak as we speak right now.
3: Yeah, so let's just let's not get it twisted. I think that he's been very strong all season long and I I think that he would really fit well with the Thunder's lineup as of right now. Although we don't know what pieces the Thunder are going to have still at that point in time when they draft when they are in the draft because obviously the trade line is tomorrow. So who knows I mean, George Hill's probably going to be gone, um, possibly Mike Muscala. I don't know who else they're going to try well, to send away. It
2: sounds like the prevailing knowledge today is that Kenny Hustle's here to stay, so you can take him off your big board.
3: Yeah, a lot of Thunder fans, you'll be happy to know that, I guess, Kenny Hustle will be on the roster for quite some time. I, I guess my biggest concern,
2: if, if the Thunder do end up with Suggs, is that like, Suggs and SGA are, like, the
1: same dude. So are Cade Cunningham.
2: Yeah, but if you're going to go with the same dude, give me the versatility of Cade Cunningham's size. And that's true. Like, what you can do with him. like, you're right, yeah. You don't want to give me two of the same guy that are also... They're not undersized, but they don't have the versatility to play the three, or you can stretch them out to the four in a weird situation where you have
3: to. But just think of the backcourt, though. Like, if you have SGA and Suggs, like you there are backcourt situations where that would work so well. I mean, like if you have if you even like you can say it's like, oh, it's just the same guy," but the two of them playing together would be amazing.
2: I just don't see it. I don't see I don't see the toughness out of Suggs. I don't see the ability to take a game over out of Suggs.
1: And he's, also He's a zag, man. Like they're I know De'Moni Sabonis tearing it up right now, but when he was drafted by the Thu- uh by the Thunder a few years ago, I was like, he's a zag. I just, I they're just, I always want to believe in them when they come into the league, and then they just disappoint. So maybe, maybe Suggs will be different. And tournament games, you know, they're one off things. Magic can happen. Yes, Austin Reeves played him off the floor and outplayed him for the majority of that game, but I mean, it's, Jalen Suggs is still good.
2: Yeah, he's just, I, I don't. I see him just being a a dude in the NBA. He's an NBA player, I just see him being a guy. And if you're drafting the top five, you don't want a guy. You a I just a guy that I would just say like I would pick franchise. like if
3: if Kate Cunningham isn't available. Man. I feel like well, because like you said, Kate Cunningham and Suggs are like the same person. So if Kate Cunningham isn't available, I would then go to Suggs.
1: And we are sixteen hours away. Sixteen hours, nineteen minutes, and actually, we are sixteen hours and eighteen minutes from the oh, trade deadline. There we
0: go. Whoa. There
1: we go. We're doing
2: that again in fifty seconds. George Hill.
1: <laughs> George Hill is yet to play in some time. That finger just will not heal. You know, prayers and thoughts and anything else that you do when people are in pain. Good vibes. For, for George Hill. Um, I mean, guys, this is going to be probably some of our th- final thoughts on the radio right before the trade deadline. I think Al Horford's here to stay for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah, I, I Clearly think, because he played tonight.
2: Yeah, I, I think Al Horford's contract has always been one that, unless he just came out this season and turn the clock all the way back like he was going to be a guy that he's going to be here this year and he might even be here next year just cuz of how much money and his age it just becomes really hard to move until it's expiring. So I'm,
1: 42 and a half million reasons, man.
2: I think Horford's here to stay for the long haul, which is fine cuz he's been playing well. Yeah, he's platooned, he's not playing every game, but it's working for him. You get good production out of
1: him when he does play. And it's important to remember that There's no doubt that conversations across the league between Oklahoma City and other franchises have concerned Al Horford. And while a trade may not happen tomorrow, that doesn't mean that those talks that have been going on for the last few weeks can't just be renewed in the offseason, especially on draft night. So a lot of the groundwork is probably just being laid right now for Al Horford. But in terms of a player like George Hill who a lot of teams want. So like, There's no doubt that George Hill can still bring something to the table for a playoff caliber team. You always need a veteran point guard, especially as you get deeper and deeper into the playoffs. George Hill is a guy that's been there and done that in the finals before. Um, he can bring something to the table. Him not playing in months, and especially now, it just tells me that I would be shocked if he is still on this team. I could be wrong, especially considering that He'll have one more year left on his deal after this season. He could be a little bit more attractive as an expiring deal. But, I mean, Christine, are you expecting to see George Hill on the sideline dancing around with SGA for the foreseeable future?
3: can't say that I am. You know, after he'd been out for, I think, probably like a month or so, I thought, okay, there's no way he's staying with Oklahoma City Thunder for much longer. And I have a feeling he's going to be gone in how much longer is the trailer line 16 well, let's, hours let's, let's, just,
1: and check how many her, minutes let's just check her let's just check her out
3: 16 hours 16 minutes and 30 seconds good to know so i have a feeling he'll be gone in 16 hours so thunder fans if that makes you sad please go cry but- of course
1: we're on an eight second delay right so yeah so yeah. you know just sorry about that all so, right. it's actually okay. what i said also, what i said to you the listener out there driving around uh oklahoma or you know listening around the world because you know let's be honest
2: well i, uh, I was about to say <laughs> if, if you're listening in the car, it's nate second delay if you're listening in the app then our time is screwed
1: we're we've already left the studio
3: <laughs> and Then you're you're just you're just out for blood it's
2: yeah
1: yeah it's um
3: but yeah so there's no way that George Hill is going to be staying with the Oklahoma City Thunder that long. I mean, we can kind of get into SGA dancing on the sideline if you want to, because he just looked super comfortable tonight. Not in pain at all.
1: Was well, he wearing Converse's?
3: Uh, no. It was. See, it kind of looked like Air Force Ones. I'm not sure. Is he, he Rocket
1: Forces? Is that a
2: breach this, contract?
3: This would be a, uh Adam Francisco from the Swap Report question. Well,
2: I, I was just talking with Brady before you got here from the arena, Christine, that you know the plantar fasciitis... He's playing in converse. They aren't known for their arch support, so no. maybe they ended Bill Walton's career. Yeah, so maybe <laughs> there's a, a cautionary tale there. But you know, guys, I think regardless of whatever happens, I think I speak for everyone in saying that I'm super excited to see George Hill staying in Oklahoma City to do the community service, to represent the city, and because he's really fallen in love with the the culture here. Is that not? Oh, yeah, I've, he's just a I've, seasoned vet.
1: I don't know if he's enjoyed Or oh, yeah. Hall on a Friday night.
2: I, I mean, don't honestly, it's it's been a while since any of us have. So,
1: Unfortunately. I mean, another player that hasn't played in some time, that would be Mr. Mike Muscala. Mm-hmm. And he's another player that could certainly help a handful of playoff teams. I mean, what, especially with how he's played this season. I mean, this season, if this version of Mike Muscala played last year, I mean, that Thunder team would have been pretty salty with, uh, with the ability to have a floor-stretching big like that because Mike Muscala... Had his moments and fortunately had some good moments in the bubble in Orlando, but just overall was just incredibly streaky and would fall out of the lineup and follow the rotations. But this season, I mean, I could I could see Muscala moved as well. I mean, him not playing kind of alludes to that as well.
2: Yeah, I I've kind of wondered... A weird landing spot for him, but the Lakers appear to be dipping into the market for some bigs. They're not super pleased with Montrez Harrell, it seems like. And I'm not saying that Mike Muscala is a better scorer than Montrez Harrell on, on most nights or whatever, but it, it might be if they're looking to, for someone to just stretch the floor and just try to come in and provide some sort of spark as they try to float through life without AD and LeBron. Like That would be a cheaper option than than some of the other guys out there. And it's a deal that comes off the books at the end of the year since it's a temporary Band-Aid. So that'd be an interesting spot that uh, would kind of come out of left field.
3: Yeah, I think that he's a pretty solid asset for pretty much any team. And when he can get going from behind the arc, I think he's a very solid player coming off the bench like, just whenever he does get going, the energy he adds obviously, stretching the floor as his length is a big advantage for him. I think that, you know, there are a lot of teams that would really benefit from having someone like him on their roster. And I'm sure that Sam Presti could get something good, if not really good, in return for him. But we'll see, I guess, what happens in the next 16 hours or so.
1: I mean, is Al Horford the only realistic player to that could be traded that would surprise anybody? Because I can't... I'm going down the roster and, like, obviously a player that would be surprising is if they traded Lou Dort or SGA. That would be surprising, but it's not realistic. So it's Al Horford, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Of the trade targets, it'd be Al Horford, or I guess Kenrich Hustle at this point.
1: Kinrich Sir Kinrich of House Hustle yes
2: yeah, Sir Kinrich of House Hustle just because I don't know it feels like when when you get the reports around the league that the, the Thunder are unwilling to take calls that I feel like that's about as concrete as we get in Thunderland Boy. so he'll, he'll get moved in about five minutes during <laughs> <laughs> I know
1: ah thanks Al,
2: Al Horford and Kenny Williams
1: Sam Pressy was just tuning in and he's just, he's thinking you know what I'm just going to let them all look silly
2: He's trading out of spite now. <laughs> yes. He's spite trading
1: with one text he makes us
2: all look like fools. He is spite trading the franchise first Take Thunder Postgame show.
3: Dance puppets, dance. Enjoy. <laughs>
1: one sixteen to one Memphis Grizzlies defeat Oklahoma City. Oh boy, it was fun. It was sad. We cried a little, we hugged a little. Uh Six feet apart, of course. You know, we're trying to be smart here. We're not out of the woods yet. What? we're almost there. Ryan Chapman producing, keeping us very much alive. Christine Butterfield giving us all the infos and giving us all of the Kansas tears that we, that we just so need for our nourishment. We appreciate that very much, Christine.
3: Too soon. No, it's not soon enough. Too soon. My therapist will send you a bill.
1: Why would she send me a bill?
3: Because you're causing... But I'm me trauma.
1: I'm giving her like, I'm giving her business though.
3: No, but you're furthering the problem.
1: Oh, so she just so he or she just doesn't, you know. Like me? Yeah. Oh, okay, well that's, that sounds like a personal problem. And if you want more problems like that, please follow Christine Butterfield on Twitter at CB on sports. I always want to say does sports for obvious reasons.
3: Yeah, I don't have your at for very obvious reasons.
1: That's, that's sad. At Brady Does Sports, you know, it's just, it's simple. I don't do anything else. Just does sports. When we get back, Ryan might take us around the association if he can find a song that he likes. And we might, like I teased in the previous segment, talk about college football for just a brief minute because something has been brewing all day long and it kind of demands us all to give our takes on it. So stay tuned here. No.
0: Welcome back to the Oklahoma City Thunder First Take Thunder Post Game Show, presented by TotallyTickets.com on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa.
1: And then Ryan Chapman just made a large arm and hand gesture towards me, which signals that we are back.
2: It was exactly one tomahawk chop in Brady's direction.
1: Yep, just like when Roy Williams picked up that fumble in the Orange Bowl against Florida State. And we all remember where we were when that happened. Right, Christine? Yeah. January 4th, 2001, where were
3: you? Uh, I was three years old. I was in
2: Henrietta, Oklahoma with my grandparents and my newly born sister.
1: Isn't that the hometown of uh Troy Aikman? Aikman? yes? He wasn't mom. born there, but he was he grew up there.
2: Yes, my mother went to high school with the Aikmans. Shut up.
1: So I got a headache. Man. Man. <laughs> Oklahoma City loses 116 to 107. Brady Trantham, Ryan Chapman, and Christine
3: Butterfield. That's me.
1: Agent Butterfield to you, respected listener. Before we finish. With the Thunder and the NBA, I wanted to hijack this show. Let's talk about Trent Chandler Morris because it's it's so like everyone's so mad about stuff like this. And for those that have been living under a rock all day, uh, Chandler Morris, former third string quarterback at OU last year, he was a true freshman. You might remember him from that first touchdown of the Big Twelve Championship, where he ran into the ran onto the field. No one knew about it, and then he went off tackle on a QB keeper and scored very talented four-star quarterback. But here's the fact he committed to a school with a five-star quarterback starter in Spencer Rattler. And then two weeks later, it was the worst kept secret on earth that Caleb Williams, another five-star quarterback was going to commit to OU as well. So basically Chandler Morris knew what he was walking into fast forward to now Chandler Morris, I mean, months ago announced he was transferring to TCU, which is of course a conference opponent. And Lincoln Riley has blocked his, uh, release because Lincoln Riley doesn't like the idea of players just having the absolute green light to transfer in conference without having to sit out a year. So Christine, I'll start with you. This, we know how this is going to end. Like I Chandler Morris is going to be eligible to play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and I, I'm assuming that the Big Twelve is going to change the rule that this is just going to be the way it's going to be. Um, so of course the game's changing, and anytime things change, people push back. And Lincoln Riley is going to be viewed as someone who's just really afraid of change because it could somehow disadvantage him. But I mean, to me, this isn't just like hundred percent player empowerment or a hundred percent like you know full on for the coach or the program or whatever, this is a silly, weird situation on both sides. We know how it's going to end, but when you see something like this unfold, like what goes through your mind like do you just think, well, this is where it's going, so you might as well get used to it now, or no, this could potentially be a large problem
3: well it's it's interesting because I can see both perspectives on this issue, obviously, I think some people are in the camp of Chandler Morris, where they're like, let this kid play. Like, why would you stop him from going somewhere? And then, you know, the other half of the crowd is pro Lincoln Riley in the fact that, well, if you have one kid moving from one school in a conference to another, you can see a lot of kids just be like, you know what? I'm tired of playing at X school and I want to play for the best. So I'm going to go to this. I'm going to bring all the inside information I have and just take it with me so that they have a better chance of winning, actually. I don't know. I... I don't think that Lincoln Riley's crazy here, though, because you think of everything that Chandler Morris has probably learned from the Oklahoma program, especially since they're kind of being nicknamed QBU right now. Like, you think of everything that he's probably learned under that coaching staff that he's going to then take with him to TCU, and you kind of pair that with um, TCU's defense, which everyone knows is very reputable, and you kind of have a good shot at a really solid lineup there. I don't think that it's crazy, especially because we were kind of all talking about this before the postgame show, where then you could have, you know, like, you turn the tables, you're like, oh, okay, if you're fine with a quarterback just moving around, well, let's take the best defensive players from the conference and put them on OU. How does that make you feel?
2: Yeah, I, I think that's the part of it to, like, focus on. I think the element of Lincoln Riley's playbook walking into Gary Patterson is, like, the most overblown thing in the world. Like, do you guys remember... Do you ever watch the the coaches' film room on the college football playoff? Like, they
1: do a million oh, yeah, broadcasts. Like you, you know your opponent in conference. Well,
2: so, it, the year that the Sooners went to the Rose Bowl, Gary Patterson was one of the special guest coaches um, for that game. And if you go back and watch it, like, every play, he's just like, oh, yeah, Lincoln's going to do this, this, and this. And that's exactly what happened. And you're just like, oh, you boat race TCU twice that year. And Gary Patterson knew what was coming at him, and he like still couldn't stop it. So like having the playbook, like that, I think that's the most overblown like portion of it. I, I think it's just like the player movement thing. Like I I get the the argument that it would be bad for the sport or whatever if you're on that camp, just because people are so opposed to the the college football looking like free agency and stuff like that. But I'm just like, we've seen how the portal is. Like it's gonna get like that. I I would be more of a fan of like every player gets a one time only transfer, but it only comes into play after two years at one spot. Because that and then you can st- you can still do the special hardship waiver of freshman goes across the country. Unfortunately, family member falls ill with this or that. They can apply for the hardship waiver to immediately move back across the country to be home. Stuff like that. But otherwise, that prevents your like. Someone goes to a school for one year and just doesn't like it and wants to quit on the team. Whatever. No, like you have to stay there for two years, go through the program, f- figure that out, get acclimated, and maybe at the end of that second year, they start to figure things out and get on the field and feel a lot better about themselves. Like that—that kind of would be what I advocate for. But like, what do I know? I'm, I'm just—I'm just over here drawing little lightning bolts on Alexei Pokashevsky's forehead.
1: Yeah, I mean. Every transfer is is unique. Every transfer is different. And, but if, at the end of the day, like they basically fall into two categories. Like the reasons that you were talking about, Ryan. If a family member is ill, uh, homesickness. Like players should be able to change colleges because this is America. Uh, but this is a sport. Like it, it never fails. Whenever, whenever you're talking about sports, whenever something in sports happens and it concerns a player moving either professionally or now collegiately. Um, you, you often hear like the average Joe comparisons of like, well, if you work for Amazon and get offered a job from Google with for more money, of course you're going to leave. This is, this is sports. This is not average Joe corporate America. This is not that same type of deal. It's, it's of course different. And if to me, it's just, there are obvious reasons as to why there was even a rule in the first place, like back in the old days. If you transferred, you always had to sit out a year, unless there was some really rare circumstance. I think Jalen Saunders is about the first player I can remember uh, that was able to transfer from a from Fresno State to Oklahoma, and because he had asthma and because of where you know Fresno State was, it didn't agree with his uh, with his medical history. The NCAA granted him the ability to play immediately. Um, but if you transferred in conference, you had to sit out two years. There's an obvious reason as to why that. Type of a rule exists, and it's to stop stuff like this, and yes, Ryan, you're right, like the whole playbook thing, that's just low-hanging fruit for fans to kind of like, oh, it's just not going to be fair. It's, again, like, players and coaches, if you're in this conference for two or three years, you know your opponents by that point. You know what they're trying to do. Unfortunately, OU just has better players, but, I mean, Christine, this is, I mean, Lincoln, Riley, and OU have been very good with PR. They've been very good cultivating an image. They've been very good at building an image uh, in recruiting uh, with all the videos they do in social media, like they, they are one of the more elite schools at doing that. And this is something that I would imagine Lincoln Riley is smart enough to understand this is going to be a, a minor bad PR hit. And it's just, it's a little shocking to me that this is the second time he's done it. I mean, and he did it with a transfer in Austin Kendall that I think we could all agree made sense. Austin Kendall played here for a few years, tried and tried, and just could not unseat guys who were just simply much better than him. And then he transferred, yes, in conference. Lincoln Riley still wanted to block that for obvious reasons. Uh, it's It's just a little interesting to me that someone who's very cognizant of PR is still willing to do this.
3: That's exactly what I thought when I first saw kind of his response to everything, too, because I feel like he is very particular and specific in the way he does his social media. And he thinks these things through, like, almost overboard but clearly it works out for him and their program so he kind of knows what he's doing there but the way I kind of took this as if he didn't say anything people wouldn't see the severity of the issue or wouldn't see like where Lincoln Riley's coming from you know like down the line like kind of what Ryan was getting at at that point so after I caught over kind of the initial shock of oh my gosh Lincoln Riley actually talked out about something that could possibly get him Um, Or knock him down a couple points with, you know, people and how, like, much they like him because of how great he does on social media and how he always has the best answer for everything. After I got kind of over the initial shock of just seeing him be honest, I thought that for like for the good of the program and for the good of what this couldn't turn into that needed to be said. So I think that it was a good move on his part to really under, like try to help people understand why this is happening. And even though we know where this is going to go still for him to be able to say his piece for him to know that he's putting himself out there, probably going to get some backlash about it and still did it. I thought that, you know, like that was a really strong move on his part and I'm, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing.
1: And I would just say to the other fans of the Big 12 that are, you know, obviously taking the side of Chandler Morris, and I, I get it on both sides. I would just probably say let's let's not play dumb here. Chandler Morris knew what he was walking into. He immediately decided to transfer as soon as the uh, Sooners beat Florida in the Cotton Bowl. And uh, Lincoln Riley, it sh- should shock nobody that he's going to do whatever he can to protect his program against any type of minor disadvantage that he can somewhat control to, you know, block against. So it shouldn't shock anybody that this is all happening. But I would just suggest to other Big Twelve fans, if you get be careful what you wish for, <laughs> because if it happens where you can just, you know, green lights transfer forever, even in conference, no penalties. I mean, Oklahoma's already greatly benefited from old school type transfers in recent years and more recent with the portal being implemented. If this rule gets, you know, done away with, then oh boy, OU and Texas are just going to be like, hello, defensive back, very talented defensive back from Kansas State. Hello, running back from West Virginia. <laughs> Come on down.
2: Stills brothers, sup?
1: Do you want some uh, good PR? Do you want to be on TV? Do you want some NFL scouts to watch you play? Especially when that name image likeness comes in.
2: How much you guys getting paid right now? <laughs> you, you see what we're
1: tossing around on the forty acres down here in Austin and Kansas football, Christine. We're not talking about basketball. I promise. You know, we're, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're done. Yeah. Or I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make fun of you anymore. Guys, don't
2: make me pull up the USC fight song again. Oh, I'm gonna fall asleep to that tonight. It's a fun song.
1: I wonder if Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush are gonna play that. To Bob Stoops on Big Noon Kickoff They
2: should, it's one of the top five fight songs in the country
1: What are the top five fight songs?
2: In no particular order, Oklahoma Michigan,
1: Tennessee USC, Texas I'd put Notre Dame Ahead of Texas
2: Notre Dame's up there, Texas is just so catchy Like, it's incredible I know that's like blasphemy to say around here But the Red River Shootout is an all-time Fight song battle
3: That's a good time
2: Gonzaga's fight song, by the way, is awful.
3: Oh, awful. yeah.
1: I didn't, they, I didn't even know they had a fight song.
2: I didn't either. They took the floor, and I was jarred. I was like, "What?" Is, they're playing stuff over the speakers. Oh, they're spelling Gonzaga. And any fight song with spelling, I'm out.
3: I've always been on that. Like, whenever cheerleaders, you just spell something out. I'm like, people don't need that help.
2: Like, it's you can okay. have spelling exercises, but if it's your fight song, I'm out. Anyway.
1: Well, Ryan did just mention a basketball team, so let's quickly transition for the last few minutes of the show. Back to the Thunder, who of course lost 116-107 to 107 to the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. Lexi Pokashevsky, 13 points. Al Horford, 13 points. Lou Dort, 14 on 6 of 17 shooting. <laughs> Moses Brown, the fun one tonight. 19 points, 12 rebounds.
2: That's a bang-bang uh, where I come from.
1: The old double-double. The old double-double. And Moses Brown is very much averaging a double-double in seven games with the Thunder since the uh, second half of the season began on March 11th for Oklahoma City. I think he played, maybe appeared, I should say, in two or three games randomly in the first half of the season before the bubble started for the G League in Orlando. Uh, But Moses Brown's certainly putting together a bunch of games of play that are going to excite Oklahoma City, the coaching staff. We'll see where this goes. But, I mean, Christine, final thoughts from tonight?
3: Final thoughts. I don't know when we're going to see Shea Gildas-Alexander again uh, based on what Mark Dynalt said versus seeing him on the bench looking like he was having a jolly good time, uh, which I found really interesting. But I guess maybe the Thunder are actually trying to tank now, finally. And we'll see if they continue to tank and how many lineups they have to go through to get there. Yeah,
2: it'll be interesting to see. um, This is where... I think you have to be careful, though, because I, I think the Thunder have done such a good job of setting up their young guys in a position where, like, yeah, there's not a ton of pressure on them, whether they win or they lose. It's all about developing. This is where it becomes dangerous of if Shea Gildas-Alexander is out for an extended period of time, you have to make sure that these guys are still progressing without picking up the bad habits that, that come from... Uh, usually you see the the... Long, elongated cycles of suck trying to tank, like in Philly, stuff like that. Like, you have to ship all of those players completely out because they've picked up all these bad habits. You've had the culture sour a little bit. So, like, the Thunder, they've got the culture in place. And I believe in the coaching staff. They just need to be careful because you don't want, you know, Lou Dort shooting 17 times a game in five years when you've got three or four superstars on the floor. You know what I mean? Like, they just need to be careful to, to not. Pick up super bad habits, but I feel like they're in the situation to do that for the rest of this year.
1: Ryan, glad to have you back.
2: Thanks, guys. Thanks for letting me uh, come back aboard. I know I kind of shunned you for travel the last week or so.
3: Yeah, I'm not happy you're back because you played the USC fight song. So, um, I, yeah,
1: that, I could have done without that. I'll
2: though play it again, here, you, can
3: go, but, you, no, you can go, no, back no, north no, with that. Uh, we don't need that. Don't don't need it. Best
1: experience in Indiana.
2: Oh, so there's a a thing called the indianapolis motor speedway have you ever heard of it it's a very large speedway oldest continuous continually utilized racing facility in the world got to tour that that was incredible i'm a big formula one fan so even though the formula one races aren't going on currently at indy it was still cool to see
1: all the racing history stuff like that
2: would highly recommend
1: very sexy ryan go ahead and play it Go ahead and play the dang song. Are you kidding me? Oklahoma City loses 116-107. to 107. Thunder back in action, though, Saturday evening against the Boston Celtics. So Todd Lizenby and Dylan Buckingham will be so excited to break that game down before and after Thursday, Friday, and, of course, Monday.
2: It's Mobley time, guys.
1: Yes. We'll be right back more than likely saturday night for the first take thunder post game show a combination of us you know whether it be Ryan Chapman Matt Burton Christine Butterfield me Brady Trantham Jerry Ramsey even or no you know what hell what why not all of us i, I think we should i think we should have a six man show
3: oh we should have a party
1: we do have six working mics right uh,
3: yes correct <laughs> yes
1: yes <laughs> business is booming yes I'm out of here. Everybody, thank you for listening. Stay tuned tomorrow for The Morning Show. Todd Lizenby, Eddie Rudosevich. Good night, Oklahoma.